What is up, Joseph, Roger? Looks like we've got a bunch of people on the live stream. Aaron, what is going on? Carlos, Tom Cigars. So we're just uh, having a conversation on Clubhouse. If you guys have not downloaded the Clubhouse yet, hop on. It's going to be a blast today. What's up, Roger and Vinny? Yep, no echo on this end. No echo. Okay, good. Well, at least uh, I can suck it up and deal with that. How are you guys doing? Doing good here. How about you guys? Yeah, another exciting day, man. So before we get jumping on the topic for today, I thought I would share with you guys a couple quick stories that are happening in the state of Florida uh, and uh, around the United States. Pretty, pretty wild, crazy stuff. So first, this just happened today. A woman in Ruskin has pled guilty to a double murder that occurred three years ago. You know what? We're going to have to turn this one off, I think. Leave quietly. Okay. You guys can still hear me, right? Yep. So this woman lived in a trailer park in Ruskin. Uh, She, I guess, she walked up to this other house and she knocked on the door and said, hey, I need a ride. So the guy inside uh, was like, okay, sure. You know, trying to be a good neighbor. Goes outside to give this woman a ride and there were two other men with guns they grabbed this guy, and then they just murdered him. I mean, it's pretty freaking crazy that you would do that to a neighbor. And it just goes to show you really can't trust the people that are that are around you. The other big story is this Navy SEAL. I didn't even know this happened. But a Navy SEAL was killed here in Tampa six years ago, it looks like. In 2015, he was down in Soho. And uh, which for those of you that don't know, Soho is just like a a nice area of South Tampa. Lots of nice restaurants, some clubs and stuff like that. So I guess he got into a little bit of a verbal argument that may have turned physical with a man that owned a restaurant down there. The other guy, uh, let's see his name, Jeffrey Glenn, stopped the fight, walked into his restaurant, grabbed a handgun, and then walks outside and shot and killed this former Navy SEAL. Absolutely insane. So this is, it was supposed to go to trial today. It didn't. Uh, And they're trying to debate whether this is a stand your ground shooting or not, which that brings us to our topic for today. When is it actually legal to use a firearm in self-defense? So I'm going to invite some people up to the stage and Vinny, uh, Roger, if you guys want to share any thoughts, feel free. I thought it was crazy that video um, that you posted on Instagram with that guy in Manhattan with the hatchet shit. Yeah. For those of you that did haven't you actually seen that, I did. Yeah. I watched the video. What was the big like takeaway for you, Vinny? How, uh, you know, I was born and raised in New York. I think you knew that before I went out to PA, but how they just love to want to say that we don't need guns in New York. And I bet you that guy would have loved to change that backpack in for a handgun about then, you know? Yeah. Likewise. I, I, grew, up in, I grew up in Brooklyn, and I don't recall uh, crime ever being that bad until, until de Blasio became mayor. I mean, that city has gone to hell. And, and, and it's not coming back. Yeah, you don't think it'll ever come back? Now, it just, 
when did it start going to hell is my question. And why do you think it won't come um, back? Uh, I think it, I think the city started declining under Bloomberg. Uh, prior to him, we had Giuliani as mayor. He, I mean, he pretty much kept crime in check. Uh, he gave the police powers that they needed to enforce the law. Yeah. Uh, he wasn't worried about being politically correct in terms of the stop and frisk. And they got a lot of illegal weapons and criminals off the street when they were uh, patrolling through neighborhoods looking for shady characters but then the liberals started complaining oh they're targeting specific races and uh, ethnicities uh but i mean if statistically you look at who's committing the crime it happens to be those people that are getting arrested but you know the liberals don't want to hear that because the truth offends them yeah we're gonna stay away from the politics stuff and we're gonna stay away from attacking liberals on here uh, because I have a lot of liberals that take my class, right? So we don't want to attack that. Uh, I understand what you're saying, but just just please keep that in mind. No problem. So I was saying the uh, um, af after Giuliani left office as mayor, uh, Bloomberg took over. Then the city started going soft on crime. Yep. And uh, when De Blasio became mayor, it just completely fell apart because he. He wasn't, he's soft on crime. He doesn't care. Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of politicians today that are very soft on crime. Uh, man, what was I listening to this morning? This guy, it happened here in Hillsborough County. It was in the paper. So the guy got released. Oh, here's what happened. The guy got released in March of 2020. He was in jail for like a minor heroin possession or whatever. And he had like a $2,500 bond, right? which isn't a lot. So you only need 250 bucks to, to hire a bondsman, but he couldn't afford to do it. So they, they let him out. And then the very next day, they believed that he was involved in a murder. So then they rearrested him and they had a bunch of evidence. They had a bunch of witnesses that said, hey, we this guy did it. We're gonna testify, whatever. But now that it's been a year, a lot of those witnesses are saying, I don't want to, you know, I recant my statement, whatever. So then they let the guy out. And in the paper, there was just a lot of people saying, this is what's wrong. So the guy's been in jail for a year because he couldn't afford his bond on a murder charge, right? Uh, and they said, we should just let him out because this is unfair. What do you guys think about that? Should we have cashless bond? Or should be people be held accountable for the things that they've done? Definitely held accountable. Well, I also, hey, uh, Gary. Sorry ahead, about that. Go ahead. Um, yeah, I'm driving home. Sorry. Um, I think number one, cashless bail should only be done if there is, say, a wrongful arrest. Like my husband was wrongfully arrested for a crime he did not do. And we had evidence of that at the bond hearing. That's when he should have been let go. But instead they held him on bond to get money in for them, for the courts. And we ended up losing out. It was with the um, surety bond. So we were out 400 bucks just to get him out for only for the state attorneys to come back and say, Oh, you know what? You were right and they would not reimburse us the money that we were out. Yeah, that sucks. That stuff happens though. When we were trying to get Tiffany to immigrate into the United States, they lost her check, the check that we paid 1200 bucks to like for all of her paperwork, they lost it. 
And then they said it was a money order. And then they said, you gotta, you gotta resend it because we don't have it. And I'm like, how many other people do you guys do this to, right? It's pretty shady. Okay, sorry to everybody on YouTube. I guess I totally dropped you guys, so I greatly apologize. So the topic of today is when is it legal to use a gun in self-defense? So everybody that's up here on the stage, share with me your opinions. Let's start with Michelle, since you were just talking. When is it legal? Like, what's that line in the sand for you, Michelle, of when you're gonna use a firearm in a self-defense situation? When, basically, I trust my gut. So okay. when I when I my gut when my gut is saying something's not right, or I feel like I am in danger, to the point where my adrenaline is rushing, my heart is pounding, that's when I'm gonna pull. And I've already had one situation where it was quarter to uh, quarter to eight in the morning. I was at the grocery store, a Walmart grocery store, and yep. I had an unsavory character in a black hoodie um, come up from behind me. Well, I was putting groceries in my car and he got within arm's reach of me and I felt this strange feeling that like, okay, your life is something's wrong here. And as soon as I turned around, I had my shirt up and had my hand on my gun and he saw the gun and he took off running. Really? Okay. So what, yeah. what, that, what, that was months ago. Okay. Oh, so that's recent though. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah. So, about six months ago. Okay. So tell me exactly what made you feel like I have to put my hand on my gun in this situation. Like, what was that red flag that the guy was demonstrating? Uh, one, the shadiness of his appearance. The, the fact that he was, for no reason, in an you know, unpopulated parking lot, all of a sudden directly behind me. Okay. Um, you know, within arm's reach of me. Okay. There was no for that. Um, you know, especially in the day of COVID, everybody's supposed to be six feet apart. Um, you know, that, that's what, that's what gave it to me. Okay. Is that enough though? Is that enough that somebody's that close to you that to put your hand on a gun or pull out a gun? Well, when my heart was racing and stuff, and when I spoke to the manager and Pinellas Park PD, the PD officer even stated that it was a good thing I had done that because sure. there were vagrants and whatnot around there that were attacking people. Okay. So I got a kind of a kudos from Pinellas Park PD okay. on that one. So, but he said, trust your gut. If your gut, if you're to do not feel safe, there's, it's, there's nothing to prevent you from actually, you know, trying to protect yourself, especially being a woman alone in a parking lot that early in the morning. Yeah, so when I hear people say things like, trust your gut, you know, when, when, we, when we talk about the gut, right? Like those are our instincts. Um, your instincts and your intuition rather is not something that you're born with. It is a learned behavior that is sculpted and created over a period of time. So I think somebody that has studied Florida concealed carry law pretty extensively knows exactly the things that have to happen before you're allowed to use a firearm in self-defense and has trained and played the what would I do if game a lot. I think that kind of person can trust their gut because they've developed those skills necessary to trust that intuition. Does this make sense so far? But 
a lot of people, we have a lot of people come into our class that say things like, Somebody, in fact, this guy just the other day, I asked him why he wanted to carry a gun. He had a really thick, like gold chain on. And he said, I wear a lot of nice jewelry, Ryan. And if somebody comes up and tries to take this jewelry from me, I need to be able to defend the jewelry. So his intuition uh, tells him that he's allowed to use a firearm to defend personal property. Now, if you're educated on Florida concealed carry law, you would know that we're not allowed to use a gun to defend personal property unless it's in the commission of a forcible felony. So that guy's intuition would be wrong. And here's the other thing I said, so if I came up to you, sir, let's pretend that I have a knife. I come up to you and I say, give me the effing necklace. Uh, I said, what would you do? And he said, now again, I've got a knife, right? So he, he would have a right to shoot me. He said, I would give you the necklace. And I said, okay. So now I take the necklace, I turn around to leave, and he goes, then I would shoot you. Okay, well, you're gonna go to prison, right? So his intuition is telling him that all that stuff is correct, but in reality, in my opinion, I think you would go to jail for that. What would you guys say about that? Oh, definitely Absolutely. he would go to jail yep. for that. Yeah, because now, now he's the aggressor. He's no longer defending himself. He is now... Uh, as we say, shooting somebody in the back that's fleeing. Sure. Regardless of the kind fact of, that a robbery was just committed. Yeah, it's kind of the Michael Dreyka scenario all over again. Yep, yep. Yeah, how so, Michelle? What is the Michael, how do you, what do you think about the Michael Dreyka shooting and and when it how it applies to using a firearm in self-defense? Well, with Michael Dreyka, number one, he kind of initiated the whole thing. Okay. Uh, with the girlfriend. That's the way I see it. So he was more or less kind of the aggressor in the situation. Instead of saying, okay, you know what? I already told her she can't park in a parking lot or parking handicapped parking space and just go about his business, go into the store and inform the owner of the store and let him take care of it since it's his property. He decided to stay around and argue with her. That's when Marquise came out. Yes, did Marquis shove him? Yes, it was an aggressive shove. Yes, was Michael Draca injured in that shove? No, was Michael Draca well, after on. he shoved I, him hold on. going to I, continue to attack him? No, he wasn't. As soon as he shoved him, he started backing up. That's when Michael Draca pulled the gun. Yeah, and I think Draca was injured. So I mean, anybody falling on their back like that and hitting your elbow, you're going to be injured but you're not injured enough to kill somebody over it, right? Right, it wasn't a life-threatening injury is what it was. Correct. It wasn't something that he, oh my God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna die because I hit my elbow. Right. He's, it's a common sense thing. And you know, I have read through the laws, thank you to your book, by the way, and you know, my husband has made these scenarios saying, oh, I can do that. No, honey, you cannot do that. You cannot pull your gun. You jumping out of the car, you can't even do that because then you're the aggressor. Yeah. You have to remain, you have to remain your model citizen until the time comes when your life feel, you feel like you're being threatened or the other person is going to commit a, a, a felony under Florida law. Dan, how are you, buddy? 
Hey, how's it going? I don't know if you can hear me or not. I can hear you, man. So what do you what do you think about this topic today? Yeah, you have to know exactly that. I mean, it is your only choice. I mean, you have to. These are things that you have to think about over and over when you're not in danger. So hopefully you can make the right decision in those couple of seconds that you have. I mean, in my opinion, it's got to be your only choice. Yeah, and just think back to this Navy SEAL that got killed six years ago here in Tampa. You know, it's a common thing. You get into a verbal argument with somebody. Maybe that's not common, but, you know, you get into an argument. Uh, maybe a push happens. Maybe maybe some, one of you hits the other person. And then one person leaves. We have to know in our minds that not everybody is stable and they're just going to you know, take the loss and then just walk away. Back in the day, people would get their ass kicked and then they would leave and they, you know, it would be over. But that guy was embarrassed that he got his ass kicked. I mean, you're fighting a Navy SEAL. You're probably not going to win. He got his ass kicked. He's embarrassed, goes into his restaurant, grabs a gun, and then decides to shoot this Navy SEAL. We have to know, put yourself in the mind of that Navy SEAL, right? You just got in this incident. You don't know what that person's gonna do next. We need to get the hell out of the area. We need to get out because we it's not worth dying over. Very true. Very, very true. I would be the first one to leave after I ended up with a bloody nose. Yeah, because you and I, Dan, would both get our ass kicked by a Navy SEAL. I'll scratch the hell out of them though. I'll scratch them. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that what happened kind of to the, um, I believe this was an army ranger was at the park with his daughter or something. And this guy was playing basketball or, yeah, or no, so, he was playing basketball or something with his daughter. And the neighbor told him that he couldn't do that. No, no, went no. Back to his house and got the gun. Yeah. So this happened in Twin Lakes, which is a subdivision near me. So it was a uh, military guy. I don't. I never heard that he was a ranger, but he was in the military, just got home from a deployment. And back in the cul-de-sac of this neighborhood, there's a big like community basketball uh, court. So the dad is like playing basketball. I think his daughter was like nine or 10 or something like that. Pretty young. Dad's playing basketball. And there was a group of kids that were riding skateboards on one half of the basketball park. And the dad and his kid was, was playing basketball on the other part, right? Because we all know as kids, no, it's not fun to ride skateboards on the pavement. It's all bumpy. It's not fun. You want the smooth ground, right? So this guy, the, the shooter, I've actually met multiple times because I was a door knocker. I've knocked on his door and he was very rude. So um, he walked up to the kids skateboarding and said, get your skateboards. You got to get out of here. You're not allowed to skateboard. So the military guy said, hey, bro, just relax. They're, they're just having fun. They're not messing with me. Just let them have fun. So the guy was like, okay, he, which, okay. So this is a very minor interaction. No threats were made, nothing, right? It was minor. This is a minor issue. The bad guy walks into his house, grabs a handgun, is walking. Now it's a far distance. It's gotta be 100 feet, 200 feet from this guy's house to the basketball court. So he walks across the street with the gun in his hand, walks right up to the military man and just shoots him right in the chest. And then he just walked right back into his house. Well, that's the definition of a psychopath right there. 
Dude, it just goes to show though, right? We never know who we're dealing with or what they're capable of. Isn't that coming? Isn't that coming back up for a court hearing where the daughter, um, she has to testify in front of as to what she remembers from that? Because um, I thought I read something in the paper where she does not really want to. The last time that she saw the man was when she, he pulled the trigger and shot her father in the head. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know, but um, that would make sense. You know, one thing that people never think about is when you use a gun in self-defense, your court case is not going to be over in a month, right? So this is six, five or six years before you're going to actually have a decision on whether you're going to prison or not. Uh, that was probably, that was more than 10 years ago. It was probably 12 or 15 years ago. So uh, it sure would suck if they haven't made a decision to put that guy in prison yet. I think he's coming up for parole. I think that's the problem because he's an older man. He's an older gentleman. Yeah. And I think that's what's happening is he's coming up for parole due to his health. Okay. And she has to te- she has to testify to keep him in jail. Wow. Crazy. Joey, any thoughts or comments on when it is legal and right to use a gun in self defense? Joey, going once. Hey, hey, sorry. Hey, how are I'm, you? I'm new to this thing. What's up? Ah, another exciting day, man. <laughs> uh, when it's legal? Yeah, like where? What? tell me what would have to happen for you to where you're like, yep, I'm going to use a gun in this situation. Well, uh, I mean, when they're obviously in your imminent danger of your life, if they have a gun or a knife to your neck or something crazy like that, obviously, I mean... Otherwise, like I go back to what you're just talking about, that guy with the necklace thing, you know, if someone comes up to me, whether I'm carrying or not, and says, give me your necklace or your watch, I'm giving it to him. Hey, take it. I'm not going to pull my gun, whether it's it has a weapon or not, because it's not worth it to me. It's not worth it, whether it's justified or not, to me to go through all the aftermath of it for a watch or a necklace or my wallet or whatever the case, you know? Sure. You know? Especially if it's with my kids with me or something like that. They don't need to see that. They don't need to see the backlash of it to, if something was that. Now, if the guy's threatening my kids or the gun, you know, is more, you know, if, if, if I feel there's more of a threat, like this guy's serious, he's going to shoot no matter what type of thing, that's different. You know, just it's so circumstantial, you just don't know. Like you said, you don't know what anybody's capable of these days and how it's going to work out. But I'm not going to risk it over something superficial and you know, property-wise especially, dog, anything like that. I'm going to give it up. (laughs) Yeah, that's a question that I got last night. Um, A gentleman in the class said that his subdivision is like kind of out in the boondocks, I guess. And he said, we have a um, a lot of coyotes and stuff. And he said, if I'm walking my dog and a pack of coyotes comes and just starts attacking my dog, you know, what am I allowed to do? I'm gonna ask everybody that's on stage here, what would you guys do if a pack of coyotes came and started attacking your dog or maybe even a gator? Right, so that's a gator. I mean, that's a little bit different, I think. The coyotes, I, I don't know. I mean, I know what bears, I've heard you, you can't, whether you're, it's coming at you or not, you can't shoot bears. I think it's the same with gators. Uh, but with coyote, a pack of coyotes, I'd imagine that could be a threat to your life too. Maybe you can unload on them, but I, I, that I don't know. I personally would give up my life for my dog. 
I'm sorry. It's just the way I am. I've, I would put myself between me and my dog. Okay. Or I would do. I would fight tooth and nail, and I would be ripping out some uh, some coyotes' ears and stuff. The, right. The, before I would, you know, and then if they had turned and attacked me, then I would I could shoot them. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that. I would pr- try to protect what I could without, you know, with, if, unless without trying to shoot it. If you didn't have what, uh, I mean, if it's a pack. I'd imagine you'd have some, some kind of legal defense to shoot them, I would think. But again, dog is your property too, so I don't know. That's it seems like a big gray area to me. I honestly think Florida needs to change that law where animals should not be property, because there's just, just way too many animal lovers or pet owners in this state right. that would give their lives up for their animals. That actually happened to my at my ex-wife's house and my son we all witnessed the neighbor. They were the neighbors on the street were walking their dogs and they were uh, the other neighbor right was next door to my ex's. Their dogs were out off a leash and this is an estate type area where there's acreage. You know, we got that we had two and a half acres there and most properties like that over there and these, this couple was walking down the street with their dogs. I believe they were leashed. And um, the neighbor's dog of my ex weren't. They went out running towards the guy. Guy pulled the gun shot the dog right in front of everybody. I think my son even witnessed it. And um, that guy went to jail. So and all the dog, that was the dog trying to attack him? Or was the dog just like, hey, what's up, man? You want to pet me? Right. Kind it of thing? Yeah, it didn't. It didn't attack. It just came out and they thought it was going to attack. He just okay. got nervous and got scared, pulled his gun and shot it right there. Wow. And uh, yeah, it was pretty crazy. Yeah. See, there's got to be a line there that if the dog is showing their teeth, if they're being aggressive, you should be able to defend yourself. But if the dog's just running up with its tail wagging and, you know, hi, I want to come see you, you shouldn't be able to shoot them. Yeah, I'm not sure how, you know, I wasn't there, obviously, so I'm not sure how exactly it played out. But that was kind of the story I got. I'm not sure if it was an aggressive run towards the other dogs. But, you know, dogs, you know, go after the dogs and just to go up there and they, I've had it happen to me numerous times in the past with my dogs. You know, if they come, another dog comes up, they get face to face. They kind of feel each other out. Nothing happens. I feel showing teeth or something like that is still too soon to be able to shoot a dog. Yeah, kind of sounds they, like you have to have the same same mindset, whether it's a dog or a person. You know, if you got a guy walking right. up on you who just wants to, you know, beg for a dollar, you can't shoot him. If you got a guy walking up on you to do, you know, and start, you know, you might think he's going to pull a knife or something. Same with the dog. You know, if a dog's coming up, wants to play, or if a dog's coming up and maybe has to bite you first, you know, one bite, not going to kill you. Then you can pull your gun and shoot the dog. Yeah, because you don't know what could happen after. But, I mean, most dogs come up, sometimes they come up aggressive looking, then they back off and they're fine. You know, you just don't know. You just don't know. Yeah, dogs do give a certain body language when they're going to attack. Um, you know, a dog can be in fear. What if it's injured? You know, if there's a dog oh, yeah. on the side of the road and it's injured, of course it's going to show its teeth as it might snap at you, but it's not going to physically jump, you know, try to pull the jugular out of your throat. Um, certain dogs give, I mean, dogs do give, certain body language when they feel threatened and they're going to attack you or when they're being aggressive. Now, if it's a fear, you know, attack out of fear because they don't feel dominant in the situation, then yeah, I don't think you should shoot them. No. 
Yeah, so somebody on, let me see here. Mike on uh, YouTube says, coyotes you can shoot anytime in Florida. I didn't, I don't know that for sure. So that's the first time I'm hearing that. You know, if if I was- That's that's actually true because they're they're considered invasive species here. There's no uh, licensing required to uh, uh, shoot them. But if you're going to use steel traps, you do need a permit. Hmm. Interesting. What were we going to say, Dan? I've, I've heard something like that about the coyotes, but I'm, you know, obviously it kind of depends on where they are. I mean, if they're, I know there's a lot over in Pinellas County, so I really just kind of walk around in the small little woods in Pinellas County and start firing off rounds at, you know, coyotes, but there's a lot of gunfire in Pinellas <laughs> County anyway. So yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I live in Northeast St. Pete, and we've got them here, and we're we're not by any means a wooded area. We are city, but we've noticed that they've they've started invading, coming into where we're at. So we don't know if they've come from Whedon Island area, uh, which is wooded and secluded. But um, you know, a lot of cats have gone missing. Interesting. Yeah, we have that here in Collier too, down here in the, in the city area in the city of Naples, which is you know on the on the beach areas, in the more prominent you know neighborhoods. There's been a lot of coyotes. I, I mean, more than we've seen out in in the wooded in the rural areas. It's kind of weird. Yeah, it's interesting. St. Pete is such a. I I read the other day it's the most densely populated county in the state of Florida. So I'm pretty shocked that there would be that many coyotes uh, in that area. That's that's pretty interesting to me. Yeah, I'm right over off of Omerton and 49th. My work, the small little wooded area right behind there, I see them all the time just kind of walking walking through there. It's probably three acres worth of woods, probably. Okay. And I see them a lot over there. I've actually seen them running down 4th Street at 3 o'clock in the morning <laughs> in North St. Pete. So, yeah, it, they, and especially in the middle of the night, they don't have any fear now if they're out during the daytime there's something wrong with them okay either it's a rabies issue or they're just starving or they're near death but they you normally don't see the coyotes out during the day okay so i'm gonna I know in pennsylvania coyotes are considered predators okay that's interesting so i'm gonna pose a question to the group this was a student that was in my class last night Uh, I asked him why he wanted to carry a gun. And he said that he, four days ago, was attacked at a Wawa. So he said he got into a, he went to the store, he bought two uh, Rockstar energy drinks, walked out to his vehicle, he opened his door, and he leaned in to put the energy drinks in his vehicle. Two men grabbed him and pulled him out of the vehicle and then just started beating the crap out of him. Uh, And he claimed that um, he claimed that they curb stomped him and knocked his teeth out. Uh, what would you guys think? Is a firearm legal or ju- justified to use in a situation like that? I, I would think so. Is that not a forcible felony at that point? Yeah, I would say that's a forcible felony. I would I would be able to use my gun in that instance. So which yeah, that's like a god uh, foot. Is that what they call it? Well, they started wailing on him. I would uh, think it would be justified to pull a firearm in that situation. 
Yeah, at why? least to pull the firearm, at least, if nothing else, to stop the attack. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I agree. So there was an update to Florida Stand Your Ground Law in 2014 that it now it includes the word threatening. So now the law says a person can use or threaten the use of deadly force to prevent if they have a reasonable belief of imminent death, great bodily harm, or to stop the imminent commission of a forcible felony. So now with that term threatening in there, uh, technically we're not supposed to show the gun unless we also have a legal right to use that gun. So if somebody, let's say you're just in a normal fist fight and you're losing, is it legal to pull out a gun or use a gun in, in, during a fist fight that you're losing? No, I don't think so. But I also have a question within that, Ryan. Okay, go. Um, so you said we're supposed to threaten it before we pull it, but depending on the situation, what if you threaten it and that gives them the upper hand to go that much harder and uh, allow you not to grab your firearm? Yeah, it's not that we're supposed to threaten before we pull. That's please don't misunderstand what I was saying. It's that when these laws are created, uh, so they were created initially to be very pro-gun, the Florida Stand Your Ground Law back in 2005. It was a very pro-gun and it was cited towards us, right? And then you get anti-gun people in office and they try to water it down a little bit. So they started changing it and watering it down by adding in this language, threatening. So we do not have a right to threaten somebody with a gun, to point a gun at them, unless we also have a legal right to flat out kill that person. Does it? Uh, that makes sense. Yeah, I think getting beat up is one thing. I think once the, the stomping of the foot comes in, I think that's kind of where everything turns to where it could be deadly. Yeah, this, the incident at Wawa, I would think, would give you right to shoot. But first, I would probably pull my gun and threaten to shoot in order to stop a potentially deadly beating. Okay. What else? Bill, we haven't heard from you yet today, man. What about that guy in California who got beat after he went down? The guy started kicking him in his face. Was that the video that I posted of the protest? And I think that guy died. They kicked him in the head a couple times and then he just died right at the scene. I heard he's still alive, but he's in intensive care. It was California, I believe. Okay. Ryan, he what's took, up? He took a beating and a half, that guy. He took a beating. Yeah, if, it, if we're talking about the same video, it was it was really bad. Like I, I felt it's it's one of those videos you watch that like I feel gross watching it because it was so violent. Yeah, you cringe when you're yeah. watching it. Yeah, it was bad. So in a in a situation like that, what would be the legal standard on like a vigilante uh, pulling a firearm trying to stop that from happening? Yeah, it's not a vigilante, right? Uh, it's just a good person. So you know if. My wife, Tiffany, is at a grocery store and a bad guy tries to rob her in the parking lot. Bank, and bank, you see it, right? You have just as much legal right to protect my family as I do. And I think, frankly, that is super badass in Florida. You don't need to know my wife. You don't need to know anything, but you have a legal right to defend her. I'm sure you guys remember this. I've done videos and it's in my book but my student that was stabbed multiple times at the Publix here in Tampa. So she was getting stabbed. A good Samaritan showed up, 
try grabbed the attacker and pulled the attacker off of this woman. And then the, att- the attacker started stabbing the Good Samaritan. So now my student is bleeding in the car. The Good Samaritan is on the ground bleeding and a concealed carry permit holder who's leaving the Publix walks up, sees what's happening, but guess what he didn't have? He didn't have his gun on him that day because he didn't need it. He was only going to Publix. So he had to run back to his truck, grab his gun, and by the time he got back, the bad guy had already taken off running. If he would have had his gun, if that would have been me, I would have just smoked that guy right in the parking lot. I would, of course, scream America, pull out my gun, and then and then shoot him. Didn't he chase him into Applebee's or something? Yeah, you read you read that in my book. Yeah, so the bad guy didn't he didn't chase a bad guy. The bad guy ran to an Applebee's. I don't know where he was in the Applebee's, but I guess he thought you know get off the street. They're looking for me, and he'll just hide out there for a while. He was trying to get two for twenty as his last meal. Yeah, he knew he's gonna be eating bologna sandwiches for a while. Bill, how are you, buddy? I see. I'm doing pretty good, Ryan. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Any thoughts? I went to chemo. I went to chemo today, so I'm pretty much worn out, brother. I'm just hearing y'all's comments. Okay. How's well, your wife doing? She's doing good. She was up uh, quite a bit today, working and doing uh, some analytic website stuff for us. Uh, but now she's laying down. But she's getting better. It's uh, slow but sure. Hey, I wanted to thank you also for the information I got from you last week on the USCCA insurance. So we, me and my wife now are covered for uh, gun insurance. Awesome. That's great, man. Any other thoughts about today's topic, about when it is legal to use a gun in self-defense and when it is not legal to use a gun in self-defense? I do have a question on that. Um, I actually am a delivery driver for Amazon. So in the the chance that someone approaches me and tries to take my truck or whatever, if they pull a weapon on me, am I allowed to use it and use mine? Yeah, so let me read you the actual statute here so that you really understand uh, where we're coming from. So the when it is legal to use a firearm in self-defense is found in Florida Statute 776.012, subsection 2. And what it says is a person is justified in using or threatening to use deadly force if he or she reasonably believes that using or threatening to use such force is necessary to prevent imminent death or great bodily harm to himself, herself, or another, or to prevent the imminent commission of a forcible felony. So, you know, there's several things here. So, Bank, I'm going to ask you these questions, right? So, the scenario is you're delivering the 70th package to the Thomas family house today. And uh, as as you pull up, some whack job neighbor or whoever decides that they're going to rob you. So, the bad guy's got a knife, whatever. Is it reasonable to believe, as the bad guy has a knife, that you're going to die within seconds? Uh... I mean, I I would think not in seconds if I could defend myself before the gun. Nah, in my opinion, bro, I think it's very reasonable. If somebody's got a knife uh, it is, and they are threatening you with it, right? It is very reasonable to believe that they are going to kill you within seconds. Okay, that makes sense. Does that make sense? 
So I'll, I'll tell a quick story here and then we'll get back to it. When I owned the gun store, I had this uh, older dude came into the store and he was telling me about the 21 foot rule in self-defense. And he said, now listen, let me paint the picture of who this guy is. He, you know, those little moccasin boat shoes. You guys ever seen those? So yeah. he, he was wearing yeah. those moccasin Preach. shoes. I don't take anybody seriously that's wearing those shoes. Okay. First of all. So he's wearing that and he's like, Ryan, if I was standing way over here at one end of the store and you're on the other end of the store, if I had a knife and you had a gun, could I stab you before you could shoot me? And I said, there's not a chance in hell, dude. I, I can definitely shoot you before you could stab me. And he's like, all right, let's try it. So I grabbed a little airsoft gun. I loaded it. I put it in the appendix position. And then we're both at two ends of the store. And he kind of distracted me by asking me a question. And then all of a sudden, he just charged me. And I was like, oh, oh my God, it started. So I go, I grab the gun. And but before I even got the gun all the way out of my holster, this guy had the knife to my throat. And it was an amazing uh, just demonstration of how it is faster to act than it is to react. So just imagine, Bank, you're at a, you're delivering your packages or whatever. You're, I don't know what it's like back there, but you're like trying to find the right package, whatever. And you see that guy there. If that bad guy pulls out the knife and charges you, how long is it going to take you to even notice that he's coming at you? Very true. Probably a second or two, right? And at least, yeah. It only takes, uh, you know, about a second to close the distance of 20 feet uh, for somebody that's, that's, you know, fast. That's a good runner. So it's going to take you, he's going to close the gap in a second. It's going to take you probably a second or two to even identify the threat. Plus, if you're really highly skilled, it'll take you one and a half seconds to get your gun out of the holster. Uh, you lost, right? You lost. Uh, so Very somebody with a knife is definitely a threat. So then the second question is, is the use of deadly force necessary? Now, if that bad guy has the knife like open and again, they're threatening you, is it necessary for you to use the gun bank? I would think so. I think so. Yeah, charging at you, you're threatening me, you have a deadly weapon, I believe it's necessary. So the next question is, are you in a place that you have a right to be? Yeah. Yeah, you're doing your job, you're doing what you're supposed to do. Last question is, are you engaged in criminal activity? No, not at all. Okay, so then in my opinion, in this situation, I think a gun would be fully justified. Makes sense. I appreciate that. Sure. Now, here's a question. How how would Amazon, say, respond to a situation like that where you're, where you're defending yourself using a firearm? Uh, you, you may end up losing your job after that. Yeah, I'll, I'll personally say um, the way it works, the delivery drivers are actually working for DSP, so we're actually subcontracted to Amazon. Uh, I would rather lose my job than lose my life yeah and that's that's how i feel i i still even if i don't carry on me i still at least have a knife on me every day just because nine times out of ten i'm delivering up and down nebraska so yeah dude if you're doing anything on nebraska you need a gun yeah pretty much that i i actually uh was in the complex right off in Nebraska before, and I had someone approach me, but luckily I kind of talked it down 
Yeah, good. Jason, how are you? Doing good, buddy. How you doing? Another exciting day, man. Any thoughts right. on today's topic of when it is legal to use a gun and when it's not? I mean, to be honest with you, I've been trying to make the kids dinner, so I've been listening as okay. I can. But uh, definitely whenever you're being attacked in a, in a deadly manner, sure. you should definitely be carrying and use it. So here's a scenario. I had a young woman the other day that got into a road rage incident. And, uh, oh, actually, here's a different scenario. This happened last Saturday, actually, in Tampa. This guy's driving, and all of a sudden, the truck in front of him slams on the brakes. My student had to swerve to the right into, like, the ditch, the median, stopped. Two men inside of the truck up front got out, and then my student, he said, I opened the door. I was going to get out, uh, but then, he, it, like, it caught him, right? He was like, no, don't get out of the car, man. So he stayed in. And then he was just kind of trapped as these two men were trying to intimidate him. Is that a situation to pull out a gun or to use a gun? No. No. Absolutely not. Yeah, definitely. You got the opportunity. Not unless, to not unless they're trying to intimidate him with a deadly weapon or trying to enter his vehicle or pull him out of the vehicle. Okay. But if they're just intimidating him, but they are staying on the other side of the glass, yelling, screaming, hitting his car, that's not imminent death. That's not the threat of being kidnapped. That's not the threat of being carjacked. That's intimidation. Okay. So he can either drive away if he can, just just leave, or stay in your car and know what your line in the sand is, which would mean they try to enter the car, they're trying to pull you out. You are in an occupied vehicle at that point, but they haven't entered the vehicle, if that is the case. So there's very little information you're giving, but on the surface, I would say no. Okay. And go ahead, Dan. Or bank, whoever. Yeah, I, I agree, Joseph, but also that line of saying can be pushed a little bit either way, depending on those actions, because in that moment that they might just be yelling and screaming, they might start grabbing doors and those, that general yelling and screaming might turn into active threats. So that that's the hard part. And that's the thing, I guess, that sucks about the law, drawing that line. But hey, Ryan, let me ask you in that scenario, if they if you say they're coming up to your car and they're beating on the car, if they have a gun in their hand, does that change the situation? Shoot everyone. Whether they're coming whether they're coming through your windows or not, if there's a gun in their hand, they can shoot right through the window. So where does that change? Yeah, bro, if you approach my if you if we're in a road rage situation, you get out of your car with a gun in your hand, I am going to kill you. Exactly. I'm going to pull That's my gun I and I'm going to crank around through my windshield and you are going to die. Flat right, because they they take one second, split second to blow that you know window right open with the bullet, and then that's that. Yeah, it's, they don't have to. Now, if they're coming up barehanded and they're beating on your car with a tire iron or something like that, you know that's a little different. But they're coming up with a gun that changes the whole the whole uh, scenario. Okay, so Joey, let me modify this scenario here a little bit. And what if the bad guys get out of their vehicle? You mentioned a tire iron. They come up with the tire iron, and now they're smashing the window and eventually break the window. Tire so, iron is still a deadly weapon. Right. Okay. I would say the same yeah. thing on that. I mean, especially if they they're broke also, the window. 
that's it. They broke the window. They're trying to enter an occupied vehicle, which is an extension of your home. Right. You have a right to shoot. That's I the would, line in the sand. They are entering an occupied vehicle. Right. Once that window is broke, they can, that, to me, that would be the, the that's it. It's on. <laughs> and by force. The key word, I think, is by force. Right. Yeah, they, this falls under the castle doctrine. So they would have to enter a occupied vehicle unlawfully and by force. So they don't have a legal right to be there and they are doing something to enter, which it could be opening, just opening a closed door that's unlocked. Uh, could be smashing the window, something like that. Any thoughts? I'll speak for myself in terms of this whole discussion tonight. Okay. Prior to carrying, I wouldn't have thought, one, to really know the law because I'm not carrying at that moment. That does not mean I shouldn't be aware of the situation. I wasn't carrying mace. Uh, I wasn't carrying a knife. I wasn't carrying anything. I've studied self-defense for a major part of my life, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I will be able to use it or I will persevere. I'll give myself a shot. But then again, how many? What do they have? What are they coming at me with? So there's a lot of that that I would agree with you. I would have to train my intuition to be able to know what my intuition needs to know in order to know when to use deadly force or not. Because prior to that, you know me to be a very calm person. So I would always look to de-escalate and walk away if I have to. The best fights are the ones you don't have to fight, especially when you're carrying a gun. Yeah. So I think that the statement you made in the beginning is that intuition has to be trained. Is when I started to carry and then taking classes with you and reading your book and and and, and taking this seriously like the rest of us on here are doing i have to listen and read and learn and train and pick up anything i can every single day to improve those skills and to improve my intuition by one theoretically knowing the law but theoretically knowing it and then trying to actually think through it or instinctively act on it under pressure and under duress. Yeah, two totally different things. Exactly. And I think that that is, that is probably one of the most valuable things that you brought up tonight is our intuition needs to continuously be trained because knowing the law and speaking about it and being all intellectual about it is not how it's going to turn out. Our intuition is going to be the first thing we're going to go for. And Michelle, Michelle gave a perfect example of what her intuition was and how it saved her life. Uh, and Michelle, how long have you been carrying? Um, I've actually been carrying since September when I got my CCW and uh, took Brian's class. And I think I took Brian's class in August and got my CCW in September. I got a special thing because I am a victim of domestic violence. So they were able to rush mine through. Interesting. The state okay. did that. Did you, did, did you own a gun before? I'm sorry. What was that? Did you own a gun before? You you got your, your I, permit. I 
I start. I owned a gun. I bought my first gun. Believe it or not, shot before, but I bought my first gun in June of 2020 when um, Rick Kreisman decided came out saying he was defunding our police department. So I bought my first gun. I started training with it, and then um, I got into Ryan's class in August and got my CCW in September. And so when that incident happened. And you said it's about six months ago. So it's really not that long that you had your permit, which just goes to show you never know. But at that moment, did you have the time to think about the statute and the exact conditions under which you can use or threaten to use deadly force? At that time, I had studied up on it. So I you know, was pretty confident I knew, knew the law. And uh, I had brought up about women, you know, after it happened to me, it was in, I believe, early December of last year, um, uh, when I brought it up in, in the group, um, I got a lot of backlash going, you shouldn't have brandished, brandishing's against the law. And I'm like, no, not when I, there's a reasonable amount of threat that I felt threatened enough. I didn't pull the gun, but I did pull my shirt up and had my hand on the, on the grip about the pull when he saw the gun and took off. So it was a deterrent, if anything. But I had a reasonable fear of intimate danger, intimate danger, that brandishing under Florida law, I could not. I I was safe. Yeah, you know, I'm not encouraging anybody to ever do something illegal, right? That's not the goal. But if we go back to the Michael Draca incident, so Michael Draca got pushed onto the ground. He pulled out his gun. When Marquis saw the gun, Marquis started backing up. The, the moment it was over, Marquis knew, I'm not going to fight somebody that has a gun, right? Uh, was that legal to pull out the gun and threaten Marquis with it? Maybe, maybe not. That's brandishing, right? But let's say that, so Draca shot and killed Marquis. He got 20 years in prison. If he would have just pulled the gun out and pointed at Marquis, it may or may not have been legal, but the punishment is so little. It's only a misdemeanor. The max punishment is a year in jail. I mean, I would rather take a year in jail and a misdemeanor than 20 years in jail for murder. But also, I think, Ryan, I, I don't, you, you follow the case much more closely. And I didn't catch the surveillance video at that moment when he pulled the gun was, did he pull the gun be when Marquise was actually already backing off or was Marquise coming towards him or standing? I know he wasn't standing right next to him. There was maybe five, six feet or more between them. Was Marquise threatening, looking to come towards him when he pulled his gun? Yeah, was Marquise Mar actually backing off at that point? when he pulled the gun. No, Marquise was definitely not done. He was definitely gonna beat the crap out of Draca. He took an extra step towards him. And then right when Marquise saw the gun or realized the gun was coming out, that's when he realized like this was the wrong person to attack. And that's when he started, stake, tar started taking rapid steps backwards to kind of get out of the area. So pulling the gun for Draca was in that instance, I'm not saying that the entire thing, because he did instigate it in a way, but he could pull the gun 
because he thought he was going to get his butt kicked, like he said to the police, that he thought Marquise was going to finish the job because he was. it looked like he was coming towards him. But the moment he stepped back, that is when he put himself in that mess. That's because it, now the guy's retreating and there was no need anymore. That It was over at that moment, which, I, which you mentioned before. Yeah, the whole thing should have ended right when Marquise started stepping back and it was over. Okay. So- but Sheriff, Sheriff Gutierrez, who saw the tape and everything, he was initially not going to press charges against Draca because he considered it a stand your ground. Up until the time that the uh, state attorney's office then reviewed the tape frame by frame and saw, yes, when he brandished his gun, he was well within the law as stand your ground. But the minute Marquise backed up and then Michael shot, or Michael Drake a shot, that's when it crossed that line. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, it's just an important statistic for everybody to understand. But if you ever use a gun in self defense, you know, one of the false beliefs that most Florida concealed carry permit holders have is that if they are in fear for their life, they're allowed to shoot somebody. They believe that they're going to get in a shooting. They're going to go to the court, the jail. They're going to fill out some paperwork, get a freaking gold medal, and then they're just going to walk home, and that's going to be the end of it. I had a Florida State prosecutor in my class, and I said, how many people would you say claim stand your ground that actually meet the requirements of stand your ground? And she said, probably 5%. So 5% of people that use a gun in what they perceive as self-defense actually meet the requirements of a stand your ground shooting. So that means you have a 95% chance of going to a jury trial if you use a gun in self-defense in the state of Florida. Any thoughts? Wait. Let me repeat what you just said. Or maybe I, maybe I misunderstood you. You said that 5% meet the definition of stand your ground? Correct. So you have a 95% chance of going to a trial jury then. Correct. Because you are part of the 95%, not 5%, 95%. Did you say 95%? 95%. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I just want to make sure I understood you. I thought you said 5% and I said no. Okay, I got it. Thank Which you. That's, a, that's a terrifying number. Wouldn't you guys agree? Heck yeah. Oh, yeah. Only 5% meet the criteria. But However, you also have to look at whether the or state attorney's office is actually interpreting the law correctly, too, because, of course, law is up to interpretation. So if you have an anti-gun state attorney, your numbers are going to be real low for anybody who actually meets it. They're just going to go automatically press, you know, press the charges and go to trial. Well, it's a, it's a judge that makes a decision. So one of the first court hearings after a shooting is called a pretrial immunity hearing. And that's where both sides have to get up there. Now, because the stand your ground law, the burden of proof has shifted. Now the burden of proof is on the prosecutor. So the prosecutor has to provide clear and convincing evidence that you were not in fear of death, great bodily harm, whatever. Uh, And that's why it is so important to keep your mouth shut. Don't say anything. Because many people have these false beliefs about what's legal and what's not, what you can and can't do. So they show up to their deposition or their interrogation or whatever, 
and they just start running their mouth and saying random stuff. Like Michael Draca, they said, you know, why'd you shoot? Why'd you pull out your gun? And he said, well, I needed a force multiplier. Okay, what? if you guys watch a trial, they hammered Michael Draca with that term. Why did you use force multiplier? That's like a military and a law enforcement term. Why? And then they were able to paint a picture of him as a vigilante wannabe cop using a gun in a situation that he shouldn't have used it. He just said so many silly things because he didn't understand what he was actually talking about. Why did his attorney even allow him to open his mouth? He didn't have an attorney, Michelle, because he knew the law. He believed. He didn't have, yeah, he, he didn't, didn't have an attorney. He did not. How do you go into something like that without an attorney? Even a, even a public defender would know that. Yeah, so Ronnie O'Neill thought he knew the law too. <laughs> yeah, he thought he he thought he was a clear cut. It was very justified. He thought he's going to be a hero in the firearms community. What he didn't realize is that we're all looking at him like, dude, you're an idiot. Like you don't represent the rest of us. That's why all, all that's why all of us on here need to look at a CCW lawyer like USCCA, like Ryan recommends, or CCW Safe. So that way, if something does happen. You don't say nothing to the police. You just hand them their card. You call the critical hotline. They get a lawyer, and they're your speaker for you, and that's it. That's exactly what I was going to say because within, I think, a couple months after I got my CCW, I got thinking about different scenarios, and I'm like, no, 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 no. There's no way I'll represent myself. I'm, I'm, I need USCCA. So I got in on their Black Friday deal, and I got my USCCA insurance. And so far, you know, I got into a situation where it, um, a former employer actually violated Florida statute by asking me if my, they found out I was a CCW and asked me if my gun was in my car. And then they terminated me after I went whistleblower and told them they couldn't tell, uh, state that after I quoted the law and quoted the statute in writing. And, um, first thing I did was contact USCCA to make sure I was well within my rights. And what did the USCC do? Now you called USCCA, but they're not the lawyers. Did you actually speak to a lawyer, Michelle? Uh, actually I did speak to a uh, couple of attorneys in St. Pete, which I have as a backup. We are currently in uh, a litigation right now. And we're according to the law, the attorney general must represent me in this case and the employer stated yes they did ask me if my gun was in my car and then they said they they admitted that they violated the law but right now it's in the attorney general's office of the state of florida and they're going back and forth asking for documentation asking for their uh the employer's um employee handbook which they have not given up they don't want to give that up and i I recited it word for word because I know exactly what was in it. But, uh, you know, I've got, I've been blessed enough that if the attorney general comes back after going back and forth with them since June, that they come back and say, no, we're, we're not going to do anything about this. I do have the right under that, under statute 790.251 where I can get a civil attorney and I do have a couple of two a civil attorneys in St. Petersburg that will take the case under an employment law. So did they admit that that's the reason that they fired you? I know they asked about no, the gun. They, 
they they admitted well they admitted that they did ask about the gun okay and that they violated the florida law and i'm paraphrasing here to protect their employees because they stated and of course in their answer they did everything they could to trash me that i was a horrible employee that i was mentally unstable and all, I mean, just really trying to paint a really bad picture of me. And the fact of the matter is, I hate to say it, it's a very snowflake company. Okay. So I'm kind of glad I was out of there. I was looking for another job anyway. Yeah. But, you know, when she, first I got accused of having the gun in my purse. Well, I knew, I knew what their law was. And I stated, no, my gun is not. Right. Their policy. And I even you know, volunteered my purse. Here's my purse. Go through it. And that's when they came back and said, well, if it's not in your purse, is it in your car? And, and that's when they violated. And their answer, they first state that they didn't violate the Florida law. And then at the end of their answer, then they admit that, yes, we did violate Florida law, but it was for the safety of our employees. That's what they said. It was for the safety of the employees. Yes. Wow. That's exactly what, the what they said. Means? It was well. The thing is, they even got they got an employment attorney from Texas. Well, the problem is, she can only Florida doesn't have reciprocity when it comes to lawyers. So she's not on the Florida bar, so she can't represent <coughs> a company that is headquartered in St. Petersburg, Florida. Interesting. For the so now we're back the, to square one. So for the safety of the people on this line, should we let Michelle stay on? <laughs> it's just so silly isn't it like uh, just the dumb stuff that people do or make up like what so how did they find out that you had a gun or had a carry permit michelle uh one of the employees knows me because he is in the florida carry group okay and he's a former marine and he recognized me from when i did have my picture up and he came to me to my desk during work hours and started talking about his new Hellcat because he knew I owned a Hellcat. Now, I did not talk about guns at work, but he came to me and um, I told him, I said, you know, he was asking about engraving the slide because he knew my slide was engraved, but he didn't know the part okay. that it was called. So I kept telling him it's a slide. Um, so I actually showed him a picture from my tablet of my slide. And that was it. Conversation was maybe a minute long. Okay. Then some very young kid who had just got back to work after, you know, he'd only been working there a couple days, went to HR and said that he believed I had a gun in my purse. And that's how all this got started. Wow. That's scary, isn't it? Because you just don't know, like those hypersensitive people, you don't know what they're gonna say or how they're gonna say it, right? Could end in a SWAT yeah, team showing up. Like a snowflake for sure. Oh, he was definitely a snowflake. Yeah. <laughs> Very much. He just didn't like it because when they hired me, they put me, nobody was in the office. There was like 10 people in the office and he was working remotely. And one, he got pissed because he had to come back into the office on June, on June 1st, this would have happened on June 3rd. So he'd only been there like two days and he was not happy because my desk was right next to him 
and he knew that, I mean, he got ticked off because I was on the phone doing business and he could overhear everything and it wasn't quiet. I'm like thinking, put earbuds in, dude. Hey, Ryan, so I do have a question on your end. I noticed while she was explaining her situation, she said law and you corrected her by saying policy. Is it true then that the law should over Trump their policy at that specific location? Uh, I don't know if the law trumps a policy. You know, we're a right to work state. Uh, I have a right as an employer to tell my employees These are the terms. If you want to work for me, these are the terms of you working for me. And if you violate these terms, then you're out. So, you know, one of the things that I'm very blunt about when I hire people is you must respond to me within 24 hours. If I send you a message, an email, whatever, I need a response fast. Uh, I, I had one employee that just disappeared for like three days. And then she said, uh, you know, oh, I was sick. I don't care. If you're sick, if you're that sick, you can't work and you just disappear for three days, you need to get your husband, your kid, somebody to tell me because I think you just disappeared. So I think businesses have a right to tell employees, if you want to work for us, these these are the rules. Uh, however, the law is the law. You know, it, Michelle is legally allowed to have that gun inside of that parking lot of that employer. Uh, In my opinion, she's allowed to have that gun inside of the job, Uh, but they can always say that they don't want it, but it's not necessarily a violation of the law, in my opinion. No, they actually stated, they're trying to say it was their parking lot and their policy um, goes into the parking lot. Problem is the parking lot is used by multiple other businesses. So therefore it's considered a public parking lot. There was no nuclear plant, no chemistry lab, no nothing on this, uh, in, in this area. So there was nothing that actually violated Florida statute from where I parked my vehicle in order to have the gun. And the gun was safely secured and, you know, in my center console and, the whole bit so it's just a mess and like i said now they've gone to just trashing me as a as a person which is ridiculous michelle that almost sounds like they were looking for an excuse could be that's exactly what it was a matter of fact on within 40 within 45 minutes after i sent the email to their hr director about how she violated florida law uh the florida statute and i state the Florida statute word for word, copy pasted it into my email. She then calls me, um, nothing in writing, just calls me and says, oh, well, we've, to, we've decided to dissolve your position. We just don't need your position anymore. Wow. Well, I hope you're countersuing them for uh, slander and libel. Well, right now, under that statute, I can get reasonable damages. Now, right now, I'm working a temporary job that's paying way more than what theirs was. However, it's not a permanent job. So, uh, according to the Attorney General, should they consider to take this case and consider prosecution, the company will be fined under under the Florida statute. 
for violation of the Florida statute. And I can get reasonable damages, which in this case, I'm looking at my yearly salary. Good for you. Best of luck. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah, that's uh, really scary. Crazy. Go ahead, Bank. Ryan, I was, I was just going to comment. You uh, you sound like the exact opposite as far as communication with my job because they do not get back to us at all. So if you ever need a new employee, I'm here for you. Yeah, it uh, it really bothers me, dude. It, it really frustrates me. So like we're trying to get stuff done, right? Like I need you to do this quick or you're just not a good fit for us. And uh, yeah. I hired this one video editor and like the within the first six hours of him working for me, he got into a massive fight with my main video editor who's worked with me for a long time, like three or four years. And my other video editor was like, Ryan, I don't know if we can do this, man. And I just said, we just got to let you go, bro. Like those, there, there's toxic people that no matter where they go, they're just toxic. Yeah, I know those types. Okay, any other thoughts, concerns about topic today? Nelson, how are you, man? I'm good. I just got out of the job. Uh, nothing. I, I didn't, I caught a little bit of what's going on. So you, we're you talking about, now, right? yep, I can hear you. We're talking about when is it legal okay. to use a gun in self-defense and when is it not legal? So Nelson works at a gun store in Orlando. So I'm sure you hear a lot of, crazy things from people about when they're legally allowed to use a gun. Uh, yeah, a lot of them. You know what? A lot of them come in thinking that they can just, you know, if anybody even just looks at them wrong, they can shoot at them. And we kind of have to, you know, straighten them out. Uh, I mean, it's the last thing you want to do is to shoot somebody, live like that. And the law, it it's even has me going, like, if anything ever happens, I really would think twice about do I use it? What would happen after? And I have, I have my own insurance uh, that'll cover me. It'll give me the lawyers and everything. But still, you know, it's 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 that little scary thing. If you make a mistake uh, in the job, if you shoot somebody to start, you know, to rob or or, or something, but in the home, definitely if they go in the home and you know they go to break in, they threaten me or anything like that. That's it. You know, game's over. Yeah, you know what? You just reminded me of something, Nelson. So let me pose this uh, this question and scenario to the group and see what you guys say. I had a woman the other day that she said like part of their fence had fallen down in the backyard and she said people in the neighborhood were walking through her backyard because the fence was down. It was kind of like a shortcut between two streets. And she said, I want a gun so that if people walk through my yard, I can use my gun. What do you guys think about that? She's there wrong. She's nuts. How so? It, 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 yeah, she's definitely wrong. And I, I have even a better one that a lot of people seem to think they could protect somebody, especially like if you, and I throw this out. What if you saw a girl and the guy arguing, fighting, and the guy starts beating the girl? And you're there, you're sitting, and he just comes out and he's hitting. You see, do you pull out your gun and you actually shoot the guy? He's threatening it, her or something like that. And what happens when you shoot and you find out that he, when the cops come and she starts saying, oh, he, you know, he shot my boyfriend. You know, he shot my boyfriend. 
you know, I, I love him. He, you know, he had, we got an argument here, but he shot him. So now what do you do? Yeah, that's one of the fears of getting involved in like a domestic violence thing is usually the victim, you know, is going to still side with the abuser. Uh, so that is definitely a fear. So I had a uh, student take my class. It was one of the craziest stories that I've ever had. He was pretty young and he came in with his parents. Uh, he was probably 25 or something around there. He was in Ybor City one night. And as he was walking back to his car after partying or whatever, he saw a guy that had this girl by the back of the hair and he was smashing her head into the uh, trunk of the car. So that's a pretty violent, pretty aggressive kind of attack. So my student approached the guy and like just yelled the command, you got stopped. So the bad guy let go of the girl and then the bad guy flipped open a knife while my student was a knife guy. He was able to get his knife out faster and he like, just imagine like a prison shanking. <laughs> That's what my student did. He flipped open his knife and he stabbed this other guy 13 times, I believe. Uh, wow. Who do you guys think got arrested that night? Your student, sadly. He got arrested. He got charged. I don't remember what the exact charge was, but it was basically like 11 or 12 months of going through the system. And then thank God, the bad guy in the case, like during his deposition, um, said that what instigated the entire situation was him smashing this woman's head into the, uh, the, to the back of this car. And I don't know what his relation was with this woman. That doesn't really matter. But the fact that the bad guy messed up during his deposition is the only reason my students' charges were dropped. Well, God's looking out for him. Dude, I thought for, you know, that kind of situation, no cameras, no real witnesses, there's a good chance you're going to go to jail. But what oh. was, what, what was, let's say that there was, if, if someone had a camera going at that moment, was it the fact that he stabbed him 13 times when it wasn't probably necessary to stab him 13 times? Because if the guy pulls out a knife and you're pulling out a knife, that's like somebody pulling out a knife and you're pulling out a gun. There's sure. a threat of deadly force, so you've got a right. But you're taking it too far. Yeah. Because it sounds to me like it went too far. It wasn't uh, necessary to go 13 times. Well, the law says, you know, you're entitled to, to stop the threat. And if it took 13 times to stab him so he could stop, you know, that, that's what it took. Yeah, true. I mean, I've heard from people getting stabbed. You do feel it. You know, it's uh, so it is very, very painful. So 13 times does seem excessive. And I understand, like, in the heat of the moment, you kind of overreact. Uh, somebody mentioned on YouTube, they said, Placid Saint said, the lady being attacked didn't testify. That's actually, I don't know if I asked that. I don't remember the answer, but clearly she must not have, right? Like the, the <coughs> woman being attacked much, should have been able to tell the police, hey, this guy was attacking me and this the person you think is the bad guy was actually trying to save me. But again, maybe it was a domestic thing and maybe the woman just kept her mouth shut out of fear of getting you know more violently attacked in the future. I, I just tell people if, you know, use your gun if you absolutely have to. If it's if you know without it, you know, you're going to die or really get hurt. 
That's the only time you should use it. Everything else, just keep it put away. I've seen situations where uh, things like these break out, and they're actually a setup for a robbery. Uh, guy and a girl start fighting, arguing. Uh, a potential good Samaritan wants to walk up, intervene, break it up, and they both pounce on him. And I've heard of things like that happening. So sometimes, yeah. sometimes you know, it's just better to mind your own business, even though it's not pleasant to see people fighting, getting physical. You know, if it doesn't involve you or a, a family member or friend, just walk away. <laughs> yeah, you know, the big strategy that I've seen lately is with home invasions. So these yeah. bad guys are really smart, right? So they have a young woman uh, walk up to a door, bang on the door like she is in need of help, desperate need of help. Like, listen, I wanna, I wanna help you. If there's a young woman that's afraid or whatever, I wanna help you. So as soon as the homeowner opens a door, that's when three, four or more bad guys come from around the corners of the house and they just bum rush into the home. Uh, it's absolutely terrifying because it goes to show you cannot take a situation off of face value. You have to think, what's the angle here? Like what else is happening uh, before you do something as foolish as opening your front door and allowing these people in? That's why I, I think that goes back, I think that goes back to, to what you were saying in the beginning, Ryan, in terms of training our intuition, because most people are inherently good. So they want to help. And that, that is what the intuition says is someone is in trouble. What can we do? But it takes coming into this community and taking the training and listening and watching all these different cases, these real life stories, and then having this kind of conversation in a room like this that gets you to realize this is not how the world works. You'd like it to work that way. And maybe in your immediate neighborhood, and you were talking about Twin Lakes. Twin Lakes is across the, the, the street from me from River Hills. So you were talking about that incident. It was across. It could very well happen in my, in, across the street in my neighborhood. Yeah. The world doesn't work like that. We do have to realize that our intuition can get us into trouble. And it takes conversations like this to make us realize that we need to sometimes just stop and realize what are the pros and cons of each situation and is it worth getting involved? Sure. Which is so tough, right? Because I like, uh, if you guys remember, it's been three or four years, there was a girl that was broken down on the side of the road. Uh, I don't remember where in Florida, but it definitely happened in Florida. So a man pulled over to help her and listen, if Nelson, if you're broken down on the side of the road and I'm driving by, I'm not going to help you. You can figure that out on your own, man. But if Michelle's yeah. there, I'll stop for a woman. But I will never stop for a man or a woman if my kids are in the car. If it's me by myself, I'll stop and help a woman. I helped a woman change a tire a couple years ago. But Nelson, you can figure that out on your own. So yeah. this guy yeah. stopped to help this woman. And as he got out of the car and was like trying to figure out what the problem was, some guys came out of the bushes and they just murdered him. Uh, another one of my students, I forgot about this story till right now. They have family down in Miami and the mother, I met the daughter. So the mother was down in Miami. She was driving back to Tampa and she was going through Alligator Alley late at night. Her car broke down, right? 
So she's on the side of the road. She's like trying to fix her tire or whatever the problem was. A guy stopped to help her and he drug her into the bushes and raped her. You Unbelievable. See, you simply never know who you're dealing with or what they're capable of doing, which is why we got to trust everyone and have a plan to kill everyone we meet at the same time. On, uh, in my, on my neighborhood, in my uh, uh, HOA there where I live, I have a friend, well, I had a friend, he, uh, he, he buys and sells cars. Okay. He has his deal license. He takes it home. He cleans the cars up and everything. And I think, and one day I came over and I was across the street. I had groceries in the car. I said, oh, look, I'm going home, put the thing, and I'll come back and see you, you know, BS for a little while. He says, yeah, yeah, no problem. I go there, I go home. And I said, you know what? Let me just cook something to eat. And then I'll go down. And five, not even 10 minutes, police starts coming down my block, sirens glowing. I'm what the heck? And all I, I had this really bad feeling. And I go and I call the guy. He doesn't pick up. And I go, then I send phone calls that my friend, he got shot. So uh, I guess they went to, to rob him. Three guys, four guys, because I had my cameras on. And uh, they went inside. They, they pulled it. They got him from outside, put him down from the truck, made him go inside, put his kid and his wife on the floor and they said, we're going to bring you outside. I want all the money. And he just didn't know. And he's what we were talking afterwards. He thought he was going to die. He starts fighting with one of the armed guys and the armed guys telling his, the partner to shoot the guy, shoot him, shoot him, shoot him. He's on. Cause he's really giving a beating. The guy takes a shot in, in the thigh and, while they're fighting, the other guy loses his gun, falls in the floor. They're still fighting. They grab the gun. Another shot goes off, hits the other side. So he had a, a 40 and a 9 millimeter go in both sides of the thighs. One came out the thing, but he fought them off. He fought them off, and uh, he was uh, in the hospital for a little while. He still staggers, but... Uh, they ran through the backyards and everything, and it's and I was I could have been right there, you know. And I, I think to myself, you know, I could have done something, but no one really knows. But that's how close and how fast something could happen. It, it's it's really scary. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty wild. It does happen quick. So, Go uh, ahead. Uh, offhand, two two things. Sure. Um, really off the topic i had of uh, a lady came in today uh check your ammunition on the white box so the winchester white box the lady had a uh two guns a walter ppk and a glock uh they both kind of blew up and one blew her pinky off and uh and it's because of the ammo so if anybody has like you know white box check the uh the recall date and you know, if you find you fire something and it doesn't feel right or anything, stop using it. Um, okay, so just, my know, question is, so the lady fired a shot. She got a squib load, so it was an under-pressurized round. And then she fired another shot, and that's when it blew off her pinky. Is that, am I understanding this correctly? No, no, no squib load. On the Glock, I had the Glock in my hand. 
Uh, nothing wrong with the barrel, but it blew it back so hard and violently. It, 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 it cracked. It, it, it broke the extractor, the plastic on the handle. Uh, it, it almost looked like the round went off in, in the magazine, but she didn't have the mag on it. It cracked the, uh, the slide. Uh, a part of it off, and then the other one, the, the PPK, actually blew up and took, the, you know, sliced off a finger. Uh, so she had to get operated, and that's damage. You know, there's some lawyers involved. But she had two uh, guns. Two guns explode. Two guns with the same box of ammunition in the same day. What? Yeah, one ha one. Uh, they went together. Uh, two friends. One got the one that she had, and then the other one that went off, and uh, at the same time, so they know it's 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 from the ammo. Wow, like an overpressure type of thing. Oh, yeah, overpressurized. Yeah, so I that happening with reloads, but not with commercial grade. Uh, oh, this uh, ammo, unless Roger. they were negligent at the factory in in how much powder they put in. This would not yep. be the uh, first time. This would not be the first time that Winchester White Box had overpressurized ammunition. It has happened multiple times in the last 10 years that I've been in the firearms industry. Um, so this this is the number one reason why I refuse to buy Winchester White Box. Yep. And uh, let me see what else interesting to happen. I did have somebody. Oh. Yep, go ahead. Yeah, I did have somebody come in today and ask me funny questions about a gun that we sold in the shop to a guy who wanted to know if he came in alone or what. And, uh, basically, last last week, week before, uh, I think he just committed suicide with it, and he wanted to find out. I mean, that's it's the worst thing. Uh, so if you know family members or son that, that are not emotionally well, you know, keep your guns away, put them away. But, you know, you Nelson, know. Uh, when we own the gun store, it's really sad. It probably happened to us seven times uh, where somebody yeah. came in. The one, the guy was in the military, active duty Air Force. He came in and bought a gun on a Friday. He had a concealed carry. Oh, wait, I don't know if he had a permit, but he bought the gun. He picked up the gun on Friday. And then that Monday, we got what's called a trace, which is when the police department contacts ATF and they mm -hmm. track how that gun was sold, right? So ATF contacted us. Yep. Turns out that guy took the gun from us Friday, killed himself, and then, you know, now the ATF and the police are here investigating it. It was really sad because I remember I was the one that sold the gun to the guy and everything was normal. He seemed like a normal dude. He seemed friendly. Yep. Uh, but on the inside, he was obviously going through a lot of turmoil and was just very emotionally upset. So, you know... It's a great lesson that people may seem friendly and happy on the outside, but inside they might be dealing with stuff. And uh, yeah, this this is my third on that, and uh, it's it's uh, it's rough, you know. And you you really think about it, you know. You sold them something, but it's like everything else; they could have used anything else. Yeah. So just a shame. Yep, it's scary, man. How's the missus? Uh, Tiff is doing okay. She's getting better. Uh, she's been working and stuff again, which is great because I was borderline leaving her if she didn't start working again soon. 
But ah, uh, you mean she's cooking for you? She did cook. She cooked me some chili today, which was great. I was getting very tired of eating these uh, like hungry man dinners. It's like what what's happening here? But uh, so anyway, she cooked. It was great. Uh, but she still gets sore very fast. So, uh, but but she's it's definitely getting a lot better very fast. So that's good. Good. All right, guys, I think we're going to close up the room. I appreciate everybody taking the time to chat today. If you guys have ideas, I really need your help about topics for the room every single Wednesday. Uh, DM me on Instagram. Send us an email uh, to classes at tampacarry.com. Whatever topic ideas that you think will have a broad reach, captivate some people, and really create a conversation, I think that would be great. And, uh, yeah, I appreciate you guys. Have a great night. And be safe. Cool. Have a good one. Good night, Ryan. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ryan. Love to Tiffany. Yes, I will. Thank you. It's your birthday? Happy birthday again. It is my birthday. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday, Ryan. 30? Well, I didn't know it was your birthday. 38 years old, man. It's crazy. 38. Jesus. Oh, my God. I'm 12 years older than you. Oh, my God. I take 38 over 48. Yeah. You know what? The, the biggest thing that I notice is uh, the older that I get, I'm sure everybody on here uh, would agree with this. The older I get, the dumber I realize I've been. You what? The older I get, the dumber I realize I've been in the previous parts of my life. The more I mature, the more I start to realize the mistakes that I have been making being younger, uh, I just realized like how foolish I've been. Like just all all these different scenarios, right? My pastor used to say, if you're under the age of 40, you're an idiot. And I I agree. Like it's, it's it just makes sense. It's called wisdom. There's an old saying, we turn into our parents as we age. Yeah, but you know what? This is a totally different topic of this entire, you know, discussion here. But it's funny how our culture today in America doesn't really uh, listen to the older generation as much. We kind of see them as like, you don't know what you're talking about. You're old, like you're dated. Man, those people, they they know. They've been where we are and they know uh, how foolish we are with a lot of the things that we do. A lot of the youth doesn't, they don't realize that history does repeat itself. So if an older person saying, I remember when this happened, that should be a key warning to us saying, try not to let this happen again. But we're too stupid and self-centered to, to listen. Bill, were you going to say something? Um, what's your daily carry? I carry a Glock 19. It's a Gen 5. Inside or outside? Inside the waistband, appendix. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll email you my question why. Okay. All right. Cool. Awesome. Hey. Thanks, guys. Have a great night. You on. too, Ryan. Go Happy eat some birthday cake. Yes. Bye-bye. Post a picture. Sorry, I kind of hung up on him. All right. Hey, thanks guys for watching on the live stream. If you want to join us in the conversation next week, download the Clubhouse app. Really awesome. Uh, So download it. Join, follow me, Ryan G. Thomas. Follow Florida Concealed Carry. 
You got you guys are more than welcome to get into the conversation. I'd love to hear from you. Have a great day, guys. Tom Cigars. I want to hear from you, dude. I want to see you on there next week. Be safe, guys.